You're listening to The Leonard Lopate Show on AM820 and 93.9 WNYC. It's now possible to step back in time on Broadway to the 16th century, where the intrigues of Henry VIII's court are in full display thanks to the Royal Shakespeare Company's masterful production of Wolf Hall, Parts 1 and 2. And I'm pleased that its three leads are with us now, Ben Miles, who stars as Thomas Cromwell, Nathaniel Parker, who plays King Henry VIII, and Lydia Leonard, who is his queen-to-be, Anne Boleyn. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Good morning. Had you all read Hilary Mantel's Booker-winning novels on on which the stage production is based before uh, there was talk about adapting them into the plays? I was reading uh, Wolf Hall, funnily enough, um, when I I got the call about the offer to play Thomas Cromwell for the RSC. So it was sort of nicely coincidental. So, Ben, uh, (laughs) did you think of Cromwell (laughs) as a character you might play if it was ever... Adapted. I had no real idea. I mean, I knew about the RSC project. I knew that was happening. I knew that the BBC project was sort of nascent at the time. I don't think there was a director attached to that at that point. So I knew that there were, you know, dramatic versions of it uh, being planned. And Lydia? Um, no, I hadn't. No, I read them when I got offered the part. So, so was what was it like reading the novels when you had your part in mind? Very, very exciting. Um uh, because I was sort of forced to read them relatively quickly and um, both in quick succession before we started rehearsals, rather like coming to see both shows in a day when you come to see our plays. Um, so thoroughly enjoyed them and just, yeah, I hadn't taken on board quite how brilliant they were and, of course, how popular they were. So knowing that I was going to play the part and reading them was thrilling. And if it must be... For me, it was... For, you're playing Henry VIII. I play Henry VIII. But, but um, for me, I, I just got through to about page 100 and started to put it down. I was so confused with the pronoun problem I had with it initially. And then, <laughs> and then, having been offered it, I went, you know, I better read these. So I went through them and found they were two of the best books I've ever read. Do you tend to do other kinds of research as well when you're preparing for Yeah, no, of course, because you're just so interested in the period, personally. Um, but, and so, yeah, I read a couple of other books specifically on Anne, but then... Sometimes it cannot, it's not helpful because you're bringing up in all this other information when actually you're, my aunt, the Anne that I play is Hillary's Anne and a, a cog in our story of Wolf Hall. So. Well, you mentioned that it's Hillary's Anne because uh, all of you, uh, I'm sure, have studied this period um, during your school days and uh, you probably formed ideas about the characters you're playing. And are they at all like the ones me, that you're now me, playing? For um, me, as Henry, no. And I think that's part of the joy for me is that I've had a, the, all the preconceptions, which apart from the school years, you get uh, the, the various films that have been made over the years uh, of the, the line I use is the chicken bone sucking thigh slapping wench grabbing Henry <laughs> and, it, uh, and a murderous Henry. And I, I, it, it's not like that for me. Um, I, I, all the research I needed to do was in the scripts. I, I read the books, I put them down, and that was it for the books. Uh, everything else I just thought I'd do off the page. I know Ben has a different attitude to it because he, he's still reading the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have finished them, I must say. You, you said that you're them. still <laughs> investigating the I'm character, slow Ben. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Is that because Crummel is a mystery to the people who have to deal with him during <clears throat> his own lifetime? I think he is a mystery. I think he is a, he's, he's an enigma. I think that's a, a lot of, a lot of uh, the reason... The largely the reason for his popularity and the draw mm. of these stories and these plays, I think, is um, it, it's 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 a it's a it's an attempt to understand a character uh, about which very little is known, 
but his influence has been so great. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm rereading the books in terms of I'm constantly trying to fathom the guy. I still am. I still haven't completely worked out why he does what he does. You know, it, my opinions sort of change. History has treated him as a villain. Exactly. Yeah, and these books, interestingly enough, I think of rewritten history. But the the mad thing is that they're not they're not they're not historic works. They're novels. It's fiction, mm. but it's become sort of slowly, subtly, the they these books have become the books on the period. It's, it's and they give us a very different Thomas More than the one we met yeah. in A Man for All Seasons. Mm. They're they brilliant do. researched novels, though. I mean, they are, they as, are. Thoroughly, yeah. as thoroughly researched as any oh, they uh, are. piece has ever been yes. written on By it. By saying it's fiction, I don't mean it's... Well, fiction yeah. is made up, but uh, Hillary said um, mm. Crom- the character of Cromwell is a... He's a biographer's nightmare, but a novelist's dream. <laughs> you know, there's only so much known about him, <laughs> and the rest... Uh, Hillary has, you know, she's filled in the gaps. And and she's written it actually largely through his mind. Yeah. So are you mm. surprised by how effective as theater these plays have turned out to be? Because you don't have voiceover here. Um, yeah, I am in some way. And a testament to our brilliant director and to everyone involved that, that it's, we've really lifted it off the page. And But kind of Cromwell's this sort of central character and then there's all these other characters whirling around him that whisk on and off and um, the action is really fluid isn't it around mm. him yeah it is yeah there was a I think there was a point in the in the in the sort of script development process where voiceovers and <coughs> excuse me um, soliloquies were mentioned mm. um, it would have made it more Shakespearean it, uh, yeah well, it would have made it more Shakespearean yes but I think it would have slowed the pace up of the of the plays, and um, the 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 danger we faced when dramatizing these plays was 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 pace and was um, the need to keep the audience's attention uh, for two and a half hours. In I the think theater. the big debate also in England wasn't it with the press, particularly the literary press, saying this can't possibly be made into a th- into a play; it just won't happen. You know, mm. there's yeah. no way they can lift it enough um, or condense it enough. 170 odd characters or something, I think, in the books. But and we 20 have, actors. Uh, we have, yeah. Yeah. and we've done it in a spectacular style, though, I might say so. I mean, I think it's Jeremy Herron has really evolved the 23 of us, 22 of us, uh, onto that stage and, and brought all the characters forth, I think. Mm. Now, Lydia Anne Boleyn only appears once in the first hour of part one mm. and only has a sentence of dialogue, do you know me? And yet that sentence speaks volumes. Mm. And then, of course, uh, she takes on a very powerful role in the second hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think as Jeremy was saying, not to make that do you not know me too domestic. It's one of speaking to history, really announcing herself. Because there's so much kind of... It's a, it's a very pertinent question. We don't know much mm. about Anne Boleyn. So much information was destroyed by Henry and by... And, um, you know, just, um, after she was killed. Don't take it personally. Well, she's the subject, <laughs> she's <a> subject <laughs> object of so much... Gossip. Yeah. She may not even be on the stage, but she's on the stage. So when you come out there, you have to personify this character that everybody else has been discussing. Yeah. No, it's, in many ways, it's quite easy. You get a lot of the kind of work done for you by everyone else before you arrive. I'm stood uh, in the audience at that point, so uh, uh, watching the action, uh, and there's a fantastic reaction to that line. I don't know if you can mm. feel it from where you are, but often... When you say, do you not know me? That Most of the Winter Garden theatre goes, oh, yeah, we know you. <laughs> well, we also, we know, you. We also yeah, know, you know this fantastic. history. We yeah. may not know all the details, but even in this country, we know 
yeah. most of the history of Henry VIII because yeah. he is one of the most important He's the most famous monarchs king. England mm. ever the had. The most famous mm. king anywhere, isn't he? I mean, is there a more famous king? Possibly from the Bible, but I don't know. I don't know. Hermit's Hermit's. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there's another wonderful moment for, for, for um, Anne, which Lydia plays so brilliantly, that when we're, we, we've got the court scene towards the end of the second half, and um, she's saying just where Elizabeth's place is in, in the hierarchy uh, compared to mm-hmm. Mary, my first daughter. And um, and I see I see the audience because I'm allowed to look out in the audience as much as I like really as Henry. I see the audience. There's so many women just going, yeah. You tell them. You tell them. <laughs> and it's always a lovely, rather lifting piece. I'm speaking with Nathaniel Parker, who plays King Henry VIII, Lydia Leonard, who plays Anne Boleyn, and Ben Miles, who plays Thomas Cromwell, in the Royal Shakespeare production of Wolf Hall, parts one and two, parts one and two, because. Uh, Together and they are being performed together sometimes. Yes, they are every Saturday and Sunday. Every Saturday and Sunday. And Wednesdays, mostly Wednesdays. Yes, every other Wednesday we do that. Sometimes we flip them around and we do the part two first, so that people can come to a matinee of that if they need to. And it's at the uh, Winter Garden Theatre on Broadway. Um, As Henry VIII, your interactions with Cromwell are coloured by the fact that. He was quite devoted to Cardinal Wolsey, who, yeah. um, and and Henry has decided to well, demote or whatever word we want to use the cardinal. Yes, I think interestingly, um, Henry has his first main advisor in life is Wolsey, who was a butcher's son, and has risen through the ranks to get there. And, and people I, keep on pointing out that he was yes. A son. Well, the higher the, the, the yeah. nobility do, and, Cro- and the Cromwell's blue do. background as well is constantly thrown in his face. And then, as his as his demise starts to happen, um, Wolsey says, "Go and stand in." Well, actually, I think it's your it's your assistant says, "Go and stand in Henry's light." Um, and so he does. He stands in my light, and suddenly this man, who's a blacksmith's and publican's son, um, becomes my closest friend and the most powerful man in, in England after me. Uh, probably before me, actually, at some points. But Henry had to make that transition. Uh, he associates Cromwell with Wolsey. That's why and, I think that's why he, he gives him the light. Trust him. Yeah, I think that's why he gives him the light. He, he's he's been bullied, I think, by the nobility to to um, to get Wolsey uh, out. I, I, his his big problem is is an heir. And Catherine hasn't supplied him with an heir after six children. He only has a, a, a daughter. So what he needs now is a son. And the way to get that is to divorce Catherine. But being um, the emperor of, uh, of Spain's uh, aunt, 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 that's yeah. right, uh, and also um, the, and, and, a Catholic. And the, and the emperor the pope. of Spain was the most powerful mm. monarch that's right. in and also, the And also the pope. He has to divorce himself from that. And, and doing that is very tricky. And, and unfortunately, Wolsey doesn't quite get there. So... Cromwell steps in, saves the day for him. Do you see Henry, uh, who we normally think of as this uh, this very powerful, willful king, as somebody who can be manipulated? Well, I see him in this as Hillary's version of Cromwell's version of Henry. And uh, I think as a result, it's given me a completely different Henry to play. Um, I, 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 one of the lovely things I've heard from people when they come backstage after the show is, that was a surprise. That's not what I expected, mm. and uh, it, it's given me an absolutely. Um, there's, there's a line. From, there's a line from Woolsey in the first half, which says he believes everything he says as he says it, <laughs> which is a gift. Um, it's, it's, it allows you to. It allows uh, me to play uh, every single line way. and every single scene, and which is why later on, when um, 
he's, he's much more in my favour, Cromwell's much more in my favour. Uh, he says you can never quite tell with Henry where he's going to be. Two hours he's going to attack you, and the next two hours he's going to love mm. you. Uh, mm. and, and I think that <clears throat> gives me as an actor such wonderful freedom. Ben, mm. how does Cromwell view Anne? Um, as the way into Henry, or do you think he connects to her in some other ways? I th- I'm not sure he sees it as a way into to Henry. He he um, he and Anne are quite similar in many ways, in that we're sort of outsiders to the um, to the established royal court of England at the time. Even though Anne is is is, is a is a daughter of a, a gentleman who has been raised in status because of his other daughter's association with Henry. His other daughter, Mary Boleyn, is uh, one of Henry's mistresses. And that was, May have been. Uh, mm. I, I think, <laughs> I think yes. you find it's true. Everybody is <laughs> claiming to be chaste in this play. <laughs> <clears throat> no, don't believe that for a minute. Um, uh, so they're, they're, both, they're both coming in from the outside, and they're also both people who are, uh, to put it crudely, on the make, you could argue. They have an agenda, each of them. And they are they are very strong-willed, I think, and they are both able to manipulate situations and people to their advantage. And I think Cromwell, for all the antipathy that you see between them, there's also a kind of a, a deep-held respect and admiration for Anne from Cromwell because he knows what it takes to get where she's got, you know. And, mm. he, and he knows that, you know, she's she's a very intelligent, driven woman. And he, I think he admires that in people, intelligence and ambition. Mm. Lydia, Ben just said that uh, Anne is strong-willed. She does have to contend with a lot of rumors about her past. Mm-hmm. But some people have described her as a proto-feminist. Do you see that? Um, well, I think actually Hillary put it good way. Well, Hillary said no, she's not a feminist. She's just a very, very powerful woman. So she doesn't. Know, um, so yeah, because she could be a proto-feminist, but I, she's certainly not a um, not a woman lover. Um, she is surviving in a very difficult time to be a woman. Um, but she mainly plays. Uh, she, she's got to play in, the, in a man's world, and she's a survivor. Um, so I don't think she, she's certainly not doing. She, you know, she's it's self-serving. And it was a rough time to be a woman. Uh, I have read yeah. that Queen Elizabeth was not allowed to attend the first Privy Council meeting uh, after she had be, uh, taken the throne mm. because she was a woman, and that, that had to be changed. Does, yeah. um, does Anne see Cromwell as a means to accomplish her own ends to marry the king? Um, I think she sees, as Ben was saying, they see something in each other that they can both... Use. So they're both useful to each other in their ascent. And it's really not to be kind of glossed over how what an extraordinary ascent it is for Cromwell to get to, get to where he does in our story. Um, and for Anne, you know, she was just a gentleman's daughter. So, so it, it, you know, it seems like this is a normal thing. It was completely unheard of to get so high up in the king's favour for, for two people of mm. their origin. You've said that you don't want to fall into the trap of making her likable. No, yeah. well, it's quite difficult to, I think, but... Um, what, no, to I make her likable? Really, well, I don't think it's really... No, it's not, it's not... I don't think it's necessary for the... She doesn't try to make herself likable, so... Mm. Um, well, she still has to do things to keep the king wanting her. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But you don't really... You don't see those on you stage. You don't see that, unfortunately, um, do we? Is it, I, I think one of the things... One of the traits they have in common <clears throat> is that they both learn all the time. From scene to scene, they've learned how to deal with the previous problem. 
and they go on to do that. And they, they prey on Henry's naivety. Uh, it, it has to be said, I think they do. But they, they both learn. So once he likes that, well, I know how to keep him there. Mm-hmm. And then I can step up mm-hmm. there, and then we can keep him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Cromwell gives me that little bit more power all the time. Uh, the lion know his strength is what uh, Moore says. You know, how can you let the lion know his strength? We were fine with him in a cage before, but now you're letting him out. And so mm-hmm. but each time he gives me a bit more strength and then pulls me back. And I think Anne does a, a very similar exercise <laughs> until mm-hmm. she marries me. Well, even after that. My guests are Nathaniel Parker, Henry, King Henry VIII uh, in Wolf Hall Parts 1 and 2, Lydia Leonard, Anne Berlin, and Ben Miles, who plays Thomas Cromwell. It is uh, at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway between 50th and 51st Streets. And for ticket information, you can go to our show page at WNYC.org. We'll continue our conversation after we take a little break. We are back with Ben Miles, who plays Thomas Cromwell, Lydia Leonard, who plays Anne Boleyn, and Nathaniel Parker, who plays King Henry VIII in Wolf Hall, Parts 1 and 2, the Royal Shakespeare Company's production that's now at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway between 5th and 51st Streets. And is this, a, I assume, a limited run? It is. How yeah, until, uh, we're play, scheduled to play till July the 5th. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's. And you that's were... Originally did this in London. Um, uh, well, actually, originally in Stratford upon Avon. In Stratford, mm. yeah, all the in same a theater, cast. In a theatre, <laughs> a third the size of where we are now, literally mm. on stage, stage volume, but also house volume, a third of the size we're in now. Yeah, and yeah. all the same cast. Yeah. yeah. And really. how much of an adjustment was that? Did you have to re-rehearse? For for each venue, yeah, yes. we did. Yeah, we 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 re-rehearsed and we redeveloped parts of the script as well, which was exciting. Because you fill the stage here, even though the stage is fairly bare. It's mm. huge. Uh, fill it with nothing, though. Isn't that brilliant? <coughs> I mean, we don't have any scenery. We have a, a, t- a it's chair. That. Yeah, I was saying to someone last table. night. That, uh, That's it. Yeah. But people are moving all, all the, time, the time, and there's, there's a lot of motion. There's yeah. dance, and there are other yeah. things. And we've built sort of into the auditorium, so there are these auditoriums, where, so actors make entrances through the audience a bit. Yeah, through the orchestra. Really opens it up. And that's only in this production. Yep. We had that in Stratford, but then in London we couldn't have it because of the nature of the cross arch. Yeah. So it's really wonderful yeah. to be able to put it back here. This is like a great blend of the two venues we've played before: the Swan Theatre in Stratford on Avon, which is, as you say, you, you could involve the audience a lot more. The audience are kind of in, more involved in the show. Um, and the Aldwych Theatre in London's West End, which was a very sort of... Uh, it was a classic sort of proscenium arch theatre. It was a very sort of visual show. There was the audience over there and, and the actors over here. But this is a fantastic blend of the two. I think it's the best venue we've ever had, myself. Do you? Yes, yeah, I, think, I, think I think it is. And you follow, it is. You follow Cats into that theatre. Yeah, yeah. Cats, <laughs> Mamma Mia, West Side <laughs> Story. Yeah. yeah, I think the last series play there was Fantastic Othello. Mm. <laughs> Some, gosh, years. The original years production. Ago. How involved was... <laughs> How involved was Hilary Mantel in, in this production? In this production, she's a member of the company. She's there. She was there every single day of rehearsals. From um, the very start from, in yeah. Stratford? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Stratford, yeah. she was there from the beginning, but she wasn't as hands-on as she is now. For the, for the U.S. production, she's been there every day. Did, did she change things? Yeah, for, for for coming here, yes, we've we've lost about ten fifteen minutes from each play. Yeah, we have. But yeah. we've added bits, so we've yeah. we've made it more uh, accessible. 
adjusted for an American audience that might not no. understand some of the nuances? Not that no. might not understand. No. That's not the point at all. Just for the no. different stage and for getting things uh, yeah. clearer. It's constantly in evolution, this script. Mm. You know, that's been one of the most exciting things about about working on it for me. We've been on this project more or less two years yeah. now. Mm. And the script is never uh, locked down, as they say. It's never, It's never sort of... There were still versions flying around of scenes that yeah. I, that I that uh, Well, I there was a version of a, of, a, of a speech I did yesterday that I've never <clears throat> done before. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on. That could get yeah. confusing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yes. No, with, well, roughly the right words, but not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, you, but also you had the advantage of being able to ask her questions yeah, that about was a real even gift. the most subtle things. Yeah. Did she give you surprising answers sometimes? Um, Yes, surprising in their in their scale and their depth. Mm. Um, their uh, I I I, email, I remember very very early on in rehearsals for Stratford. I I emailed Hillary a question about what might be going through Cromwell's head at the before the first scene of Wolf Hall Part One. He makes this journey from the north of England down back down to London, uh, which will take him about two weeks. He'd gone up there to get money and then to try to get money from the monasteries in Yorkshire. Come back he, with anything? No, 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 they 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 he did. they politely told him to go away. Um, <clears throat> and um, back came this answer from Hillary, which was like a chapter from the book. It was a sort of four-page email about what was going on in Cromwell's mind, what his thoughts were on the church, the state of the roads, how many horses he would have used, you know, the boots he was wearing, what was in his bag. Mm-hmm. And I was I was gobsmacked by it. And and from that point on, um, I, we've all had this 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 incredible. Uh, uh, portal into her mind, mm. you know, and her imagination, and she's very willingly given, given back to us, and it's fed her too. I think it's it been wonderfully yeah. reciprocal because she's uh, at the same time now thinking for the next book. <clears throat> oh well, I'm sure she's looking at Anne, thinking, well, that's you know, that, Lydia is that is that focus, and then she's looking at Cromwell, and there's there's yeah. traits of ours that she's mm. bringing in. I'll be dead. Oh, you'll be dead. Spoiler you'll alert. be dead. You might Spoiler be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll come back as a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've called uh, Nat. You've called uh, Hillary and Ben a proper little working couple. Yeah. Ben, in working with her, hasn't she credited you with helping her understand Cromwell better? She said he solved certain problems for me, and she called you one of the shapers of the third Cromwell novel that she's still working on. Well, if I have, it's a great. It's a great honor for me, you know. I, uh, it, it, uh, she, yeah, she's intimated to me that seeing the shows, seeing us all perform, has has, has informed her about what she will write for the third book, um, and that's that's a fantastic feeling as a company, mm-hmm. as an actor, to to uh, to collaborate in that way with her. Nat, in in talking with her, did you? ever get the feeling that she had more affection for Cromwell than she did for Henry VIII? Oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> she's in love with Cromwell, I think. <laughs> definitely. But there are moments when she's come back to me, and I got, as a first-night present in London, um, a, a little ca- um, couple of paragraphs of the next book, because uh, the day before, we'd, or two days before, on a technical rehearsal, I was wearing my big final costume with a big chain across it, and I saw her, and she said, we, you know, Hillary, and I gave her a big hug to say hello, I'm a big hugging kind of person, I gave her a big hug, and she came off with the imprint of the chain <laughs> on her cheek, and so the moment she's written me the two, three paragraphs, when Henry meets um, Anne of Cleves, and he's looking at her thinking, oh, no, but I better give her a hug and show people that I'm willing. <laughs> so he gives her a big hug, and such a long hug, some of the um, surrounding uh, nobles are going, um, <clears throat> 
can we, can we break him up quickly? She's dying. You know, but, <laughs> but eventually she comes off and uh, she's got this big imprint of the chain oh, on her great. cheek that's and she's put great. it in there. So, yes, it is a yeah. thrill. Well, talking about costumes, Lydia, <laughs> yes. although you're not on the uh, in every scene, uh, you do have, you make up for that with some of the most amazing <laughs> costume changes. How many different gowns do you wear? Um, Eleven. <laughs> mm-hmm. And are the corsets as confining as they look? Are you um, finding it difficult to breathe? Uh, actually not. They're beautifully made by the team up at the, in Stratford at the RSC. So they're not as uncomfortable as when you've worn corsets for things where they've been hired from a costume place or something. Um, some of the dresses are very heavy. Lucy Briars, who plays Catherine, had a dress, which I think has been adjusted now. But when we were in Stratford, weighed two stone, which is... Do you do stones? How many pounds? I think it's 14 pounds. pounds. 28 pounds, yeah. 28 pounds. That's nothing. Uh, 14 pounds of stone. So there were some back problems, from, um, <laughs> uh, particularly when we're on the rake uh, stage. But uh, no, they're, they're overall just a pleasure to wear. They're absolutely beautiful. And they really chart, mm. they do a lot of the work because they chart the sort of rise in power and status for all of the characters, men and, mm. and women, um, as you get as you sort of grow in favour with the king. You, know, you just have more money to buy more fabric so the, the sleeves get more ornate. Or, uh, I mean, you talk to Henry and the men about the, uh, the, the fashion for cod pieces at the time, which is <laughs> quite extraordinary, but a uh, brilliant kind of detail in the whole in the whole play. But Cromwell doesn't have that uh, problem because you're pretty much on the stage all the time. Uh, you yeah. look like, at the end of a scene, you look like you're making an exit, Ben, and then <laughs> no. the lights come up again and <laughs> there you are. Someone else turns up. <laughs> right, I've got to act with you now. Yeah, yeah, um... <clears throat> I do my costumes do I think I have three changes but they're not huge changes and they only happen <clears throat> when I have on the rare occasion that I have a scene off How, what was the casting like here uh, was it complicated or since you've all had experiences with the Royal Shakespeare were you kind of the people they expected from the start I've no idea yeah. what the what the what the background to the casting process was um Personally, myself, I know uh, in um, in script development, in kind of table reads of, of early drafts, other people were involved in reading Cromwell. Um, but I just got a call out of the blue one day in um, in uh, October, uh, saying they want you to play the part. So um, before that, I don't know what had happened. And then uh, we were talking about rehearsals. Mm. Uh, Although Hilary Mantel wasn't as involved in the early rehearsals, she has been since. So has that changed your sense of the characters that you're playing over the, developed, over the course? Certainly of? developed. Mm. I mean, I think you know the joy of being able to turn to Hilary and say, "I can't quite get this line. It's, it's just not settling in me." What do you think? She comes back. I've got one speech in the end of Bodies, uh, Part Two. That is Wolfhall Part Two which is now, uh, as my director calls it, the greatest hits of four different speeches, <laughs> which have happened at different times. And actually, it's quite hard to do sometimes because the, the, the lines will just switch around and, and I'll say a line. And if I'm not careful, I'll go back to what I said at the Old Witch in London, <laughs> which is what I've just said in the previous line. So I go, oh, my goodness. Um, but Hillary has somehow managed, I think, to, to get it absolutely right uh, this time. She gave us these extraordinary notes for every single character that are <clears throat> maybe sort of two sides of A4 each, detailed, detailed character notes, which were invaluable. And you think, God, I wish I could have that every time you, you play a part. Mm. 
I'm also very useful for kind of um, quoting interviews and passing off as your own wise thoughts. <laughs> so, to my horror, apparently they've been published. So no, have they? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, damn. No, you, you mentioned earlier that you do the two plays in sequence mm. on Saturdays, Saturdays and, and Sundays. Sundays. Yeah. And sometimes Monday, uh, Wednesdays. And then on Wednesdays you do part two first and then part one in the evening, which must be rather yeah, confusing. Not every a, time, not every week. The, uh, occasionally we do it. That's so it seems it may even be more confusing. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes. I mean, I, I sometimes I generally don't know what show we're doing next when we finish. When we finish the show at night, there's a call that goes out around. And they go, and they just push you out there. It's and bodies they... part one tomorrow. And I go, right, <laughs> bodies, part but one, it, bodies part one. It's easier. I mean, when I was a kid at the RSC and 26, 20, 25 years old, and I was doing six plays, you know, I would literally turn up at the dressing room, see which costume was hanging. <laughs> and yeah. I'd do that one. Yeah. <laughs> Is it strange to have Masterpiece Theatre doing a six-part version of all at the same time that you're on Broadway? Because people are coming to the theatre with... A, a sense of the story. Yeah. Uh, in, in your case, Ben uh, uh, Cromwell is played by a very great actor, Mark Rylance, yeah. a friend of yours, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but uh, then you're not Mark Rylance. You're doing your version of Yeah. It. No, it is strange. It's a strange coincidence um, <clears throat> that there are these two versions present in, in the U.S., at the moment, um, it, it, it wasn't originally intended to be aired at the same time as as, as we came to Broadway, but um, but it is. It has it has changed. Um, it, you know, it's odd. They're two extremely different versions of the stories, but they're both. I think they're both the best versions for their media. Although uh, there are a couple of lines uh, that I remember from the television show. Uh, oh that yeah, I, I mean the that script, I hear in the play. Script-wise, it's because it's, it's still it's Hillary pretty much identical. It's it's all the best bits. All the best bits are from yeah, the same yeah. author. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although for us, it wasn't. It might. For the, I suppose for American audiences, it feels very simultaneous. But we we did the play for so long in Stratford and finished the whole run in London <clears> before <throat> it then came out on the BBC. So, so yes. which was not quite nice. It wasn't sort of. Doesn't feel doesn't feel quite so on top of each other for for uh, in terms of our cr- creating the roles. Or, or I, th- I think the arts. BBC just, version was coming out while we were rehearsing in London. Was it? Just yeah, it was. We rehearsed yeah, when we rehearsed. But for it's this. no coincidence. Yeah, to be careful not to watch it. It's, it's no coincidence it's happening at the same time. I think it was no, it, it was a it was a ploy. And yeah. I think that's fine. You know, either way, it's 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 got to be an advantage to both of us. So it was fine. Lydia, yeah. didn't you live in France until you yeah, were I did. five? So does well, that? I was born in France. Yeah, I was quite small when we came back. Well, you're playing a French character here. Well, she, she's she's not French, she's English, but, yeah, she'd spent a long time in the French court. In fact, because in the book she talks with a slight French accent, but it's sort of an affectation, Hilary said, but it was a bit confusing. I don't do that anymore for the whole, I mean, for the well, whole... You do group. say Cromwell. Yeah, yeah, which is a, a detail from the book. Um, but it's a bit confusing to have done that just because people then start thinking she's French, and she's not. She, she was an English girl, she's from Kent but she'd spent a long time in France. Yeah. And Ben, is it true that you pursued acting in school productions primarily because it allowed you to miss classes? I'll neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) (laughs) School that bad? (laughs) School was great, actually. It was a great school. We had this amazing theatre, this purpose-built theatre in the round, um, which was a great draw to people who were, you know, had interests other other than what was on the curriculum, you know. It was a great environment for... for, uh, creativity. 
And that you graduated as the star pupil of the year from the London Academy of Did Music I? and Dramatic Art. No, no, I didn't. The opposite, in fact. The opposite. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that comes from. I hope that's my PR team. That's, that's your publicist. Um, but you were in the audience. I, I was in the audience, you're right, in London with Helen. Um, and Helen and did you have to choose between? I did, and there, there's no choice. I mean, Gordon Brown is a lovely character to play, but um, compared to Henry, there's no choice you're at Henry all. Yeah, Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, but no, I, in fact, I think I was the only student in my year at Lambda who didn't get a prize. Oh. So I think I was the reverse oh. of the star. Oh. Oh, um, that's what I We've got to get <laughs> Just what one more thing before you go. You're here in New York, and we have two incredible Holbeins at the Frick. Yeah. Uh, portraits of Cromwell and Moore, Thomas Moore. Mm. Have you gone by to see them? We have. We, we, the, the first day we arrived, literally after we landed, the next day we were, we were invited very kindly by the Frick to come and to come and view them and look round and had a wonderful and a wonderful talk. About Does it bother them. you that the Moor is a much better painting than the Crown? <laughs> I'll let him have that. I'll let him have that glory. I don't need that kind of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for being on our show. Ben Miles plays Thomas Cromwell, Lydia Leonard, Anne Boleyn, and Nathaniel Parker, King Henry VIII in Wolf Hall, parts one and two the Royal Shakespeare Company's production that's now at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway between 5th and 51st Streets. For ticket details, go to our show page at WMIC.org.